guys so before we bring you this episode of an evening at the movies um i want to say um on friday april 8th i lost an incredible piece of my life um when I moved in to town and moved to Aberdeen, my first day at the grade school that I started at, I didn't have any friends. I didn't have anybody. And I met the most incredible teacher that I've ever met in my entire life. And... <laughs> Unfortunately, last Friday, he passed away, and I want to take the time to say that this episode of An Evening at the Movies is dedicated to Mr. Richard Van Volkenberg, an amazing mentor an amazing coach, an amazing fan, and probably the most amazing friend that anybody could ever ask for. Still, five days later, I still have a hard time with it, as you can tell. Um, but... I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you've done for me. And thank you for being the mentor that you were for me. Thank you for being the friend that you were for these last 35 plus years I couldn't be the person that I am today without you and I am eternally grateful for our friendship and I just want to say that you will be greatly missed. And until the day that I see you again, Godspeed.
Rest in peace, Mr. V. Thank you. Okay, so now that we've got all that out of the way, um, I just want to say to all of you, the dozens that have been waiting for this episode, I apologize for the technical difficulties that we had, and I know it is almost two weeks late, but... Amanda and I still wanted to make sure that we got you guys this episode because we promised it to you and we are sorry again that it took so long but here it is we would like to say happy birthday to the 1972 cinematic classic The Godfather Benvenuti in a serata altinima. Ciao, mi chiamo Amanda, and uh, this is the podcast where we eat stale popcorn and drink watered-down sodas. And uh, Casey's here too. Hi, people. <laughs> Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> yes, that is the extent of my Italian. Italiano. I think I learned a few other words besides Vaffanopoli. Um, and, uh, wait, what time of day is it? Buona, buona notte. Good evening. Good night. And ciao. Anyway. Yeah, I guess it would be evening. It's five o'clock here and seven o'clock there. Well, I said good evening, but buona notte is good night. Buona sera is good afternoon. And buongiorno is good morning. Buongiorno. So yeah. Hey, you're a lot more multilingual than KCB is. But like I said, benvenuti in a salata al cinema. Welcome to an evening at the movies. I give you a lot of freaking credit for that because <laughs> I wouldn't have had the patience to do. I know you brought it up when we were prepping for the episode, and I kind of laughed along with it, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know <laughs> if I have the patience to actually do that. And even if I did try, I'd 
totally fuck it up. I have an ear for languages. It's okay. <laughs> I can't. My problem is I can't roll my R's, which is why I like Italian better than Spanish because you don't have to do it as much. If I if I just were to learn a language just for shits and giggles, I would learn Japanese and or Italian. To me, those are the two most beautiful languages in the world. So I would probably agree with third place probably going to French. Yeah. After that, you got a whole lot of skin and yeah, I don't want to learn the language of my people. Oh well, yeah, yep. oh wait, that's Russian. Well, uh, well Russian either way, and they're close enough. German and most of your Arabic languages can be sound very harsh. And I do actually have international listeners for the show, and we're not trying to offend people. If you're listening from one of these other countries, of and course not. All of your languages are beautiful. They're just not yes. But if you're listening in Italy, uh, happy Gianvide, which is happy Thursday. And uh, yeah, we're here to discuss some shit in English, but I'll throw some Italian in there if I can. For example, I am drinking some vino bianco, which is white wine. I am totally (laughs) shocked that you are drinking wine while recording a podcast. No. Not you. See. (laughs) see i set you up for that one yes distra that's right so all right casey you may can continue with the introductions or in in thing that you do i just wanted to introduce the show in italiano to honor the movie that we are discussing so yes amanda covered the basics for our intro and reminded everybody that this is an evening at the movies the podcast where we eat stale popcorn and drink watered down soda and discuss all of our favorite movies and why we love them see so thank you amanda for gracing us with your mastery of the italian language and why did i not silencio my phone por favor i don't know before we started recording now it's silenced so anyway i guess i'm actually gonna have to do some editing before i send this over to you then (laughs) you can do your part um salute so i'm just gonna keep throwing him in there you might as well be ready (laughs) lob lob just keep Mm -hmm. knocking them out of the park um Mm -hmm. so um i guess there's a wealth of potential possibilities for movies if you're assuming because we're well one of us is semi-speaking the italiano (laughs) but um, you're welcome (laughs) yeah we're not gonna get too artsy fartsy with our (laughs) movie selection for this episode um Amanda is speaking of the Italiano language because we are here to discuss a movie that seven days ago turned a whopping... Why are you freaking hula-hooping your freaking ponytail? I don't know. (laughs) 
I swear to you, I should release the damn video for this just so you guys can see Amanda whipping. Oh, it. now I knocked it out. <laughs> Amanda is almost an entire bottle of vino in and has watched the movie for the second time. So I am all up in my Italiano drunk feels. I, I thought about watching it this morning when I got home and I was like, I think I have the perfect amount of readiness i don't want to overdo yeah. it and get i didn't really mean to it just kind of happened so true cool but anyway so we were both rather rudely reminded on sunday at a certain award show that that's all i want to say about this <laughs> that um this movie turned 50 years old last week mm-hmm. so we figured what the hell we obviously are going to be a few days late but let's all wish happy birthday to the 1972 mafia classic the original the godfather don corleone well i can do don corleone and i can do per favore I can repeat a lot of the freaking Italian that they use in the movie until the Yeah, I mean we we got Grazie and Prego on lock because they say that a lot. Well, yeah, I'd be I mean but, like and not, you know not to throw out spoilers early, but you know, there's a certain scene that I'm gonna use to bring my point home that okay, like when Michael's sitting down to have dinner with Salazzo and McCleskey and so lots of those like michael and i are going to speak italian and then mm-hmm. yeah i don't i'm not gonna no that's, yeah no i got like the single word phrases maybe two word phrases down like vafangul vafanopoli see that's the other reason i want to learn to speak italian is because i feel like i have the gusto for it like french i can't be quite sexy enough and spanish i can't really roll my r's but Italian, I have got that. I will kick your ass, gusto, gusto, to like just hit you with it. Well, okay. Well, and I mean, not to go switch around on everything languages, they say is so dramatic. When it comes to French, you have to have an element of sexiness to your voice. That. Because, like, well, You've seen the episode in the final season of Friends where Phoebe comes back from her honeymoon and Joey has to learn French for a part or for an audition and Phoebe's all like bleh, 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 bleh. You. And Rachel's all like seriously if you don't stop it I'm going to jump on you right yeah. now. I'm going to jump on you. You're so sexy. <laughs> so Yeah, Lisa Kudrow is fluent in French and it's very sexy. Like, like we talked about last night, I know a few phrases because Abby took French, but the only full-on phrase I know is voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? Which doesn't sound that sexy when I say it, even though I said it exactly right. So I prefer Italian where I can be like, ciao, bravo, prego, you know? Well, yeah, you seem like you would <laughs> I, be a better... I'm sorry, I am not mocking anybody. Please do not think I I would die to be Italian and be able to speak this language with all the gusto that it has. But I'm Irish, German, Native American. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm about everything else in that continent, but <laughs> like Italian and German. So it's like, yeah, it is what it is. But no, 
I yes. live out my best life fantasies while watching The Godfather and wanting to be, you know, an Italian princess. Apollonia. Yeah. Ugh. So gorgeous. Oh. Yeah, I, I know. I got George Wright in to come watch the part where we see her boobs. So I was like, this will make you happy. You get to see tits for a second. Just sit down. <laughs> they don't do that anymore in the movies. What? Tits in the movies. Oh, what do you mean they don't do that anymore? I see tits in movies all the time. Not like it was when we were kids. Oh. We need that website that they try to do in Knocked Up, where it's like, how many minutes into a movie before you see tits or bush or cock or balls or whatever right <laughs> there's actually a real website for that i don't know what it's called but there is a website you can go to and <sighs> if you put in a certain movie it'll tell you exactly what time you can fast forward to to see the nudity okay good information to have the Fanopoly. <laughs> so anyway <laughs> the godfather well, yes. The Godfather turned 50 years old last week, and we are here to pay tribute and say happy birthday to one of the, well, we'll get to the, some of the accolades and all the pomp and circumstance that goes along with the movie. But so obviously, if the movie is 50 years old in one week, the movie was released on March 24th, 1972. Mm -hmm. It was directed by young, inexperienced director Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, yeah. It was released by Paramount Pictures and had a budget of 6 to $7.2 million. Jesus. Now comes the staggering factors. It's 1972 box office was between 250 and 291 million dollars. Bellissima. Woo. That and yeah, so obviously that would translate to today's standards to approximately 1.6 to 1.9 billion dollars of a box office. Wow. Um, yeah. So um, there is actually a new piece of information that we're going to debut for this episode. Um, and we're going to call it the average estimated audience. So without using a calculator i'm going to throw out what the average movie ticket price was in 1972 and we're going to go off of the high end 72 box office number of 291 million okay so average ticket prices for a movie in 1972 were a dollar and 70 cents wow We've come a long way. I feel old now. But yeah. Okay. So $1.71 and it had a $291 million box office. So like so average, 120 million people? You weren't off by much. 
131.1 million people saw this movie in the box office. One million dollars. <coughs> I actually, I believe I went off of the 291. I could have gone off of the 251, but the average estimated audience is right there in that 271 million people. Sorry. Uh, in Italian, Santa Merda. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> that's my new favorite phrase. Oh, that's freaking hilarious. Oh my uh, God, I would make the best Italian. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so, well, I did call an audible to you on our initial information too and decided to throw in that the script was adapted from a book written by Mario Puzo and it was adapted by Mario Puzo and mm -hmm. Francis Ford Coppola and was purchased by Paramount for $80,000. Wow. They lowballed Mario. Big time. And look, well, $80,000. And if you go with the high, either number you go with 250 to 291 million so did you was there any information about because one of the things i i remember about halloween um with john carpenter's deal was that for whatever he got paid it had to say john carpenter's halloween well the godfather says mario puzo's the godfather did he get extra money for that you think or is that just included in his 80,000 chump fucking change. I, what the hell? I would hope. I mean, at least it's got his name on it, but still. Especially with the magnitude of this franchise that Puzo got a significant amount of money out of it. Because I hope so. I don't, well, I'm, we'll get to part the box office numbers for part two and part three when we get to those episodes or yeah i guess technically you can't even call it part three anymore because coppola changed the freaking name oh that's right i forgot about that so well anyway it's still part three and i'm ready to watch part two like in, in fact i almost turned that on today instead of the first one but yeah i before we got done with this recording i was going to ask you how long we wanted to wait before we did part two because i know we're both i'm gonna go watch it as soon as we're done shit <laughs> well, I probably almost yeah, in the but... same boat within probably the next day or two. I will probably watch it, but um, I'm invested now. As much as I love this movie, well, okay, we'll get to this statement yeah. later because yeah. it kind of sort of ties in with some of the other stuff, but um, no, uh, just the idea that Paramount bought this movie for $80,000. And then all of the casting and directorial hell that the crew went, I mean, the cast went through, Coppola went through. Right. It's like Paramount's a bunch of dicks. Freaking lowball Puzo, freaking <clears throat> literally have Coppola directing 
while they're playing Russian roulette with whether or not he's going to keep his job. And right. Then, you know, we'll get to some of the casting issues here when we get to the fun facts. But um, uh, really quick, obvious, if you haven't seen the movie, if well, okay, most people, even if you haven't seen the movie, you're going to know the majority of the cast. Yeah. Um, Marlon Brando plays Vito Corleone. Al Pacino plays Michael Corleone. James Caan plays Sonny Corleone. Um, bueno. Sorry. Better pace yourself. I got. Nine, I love me some Al Pacino. You got. I got nine pages of notes to get through. You better not freaking polish that off too fast. Pretty much done. I don't have any more. <laughs> George. Right. Nine uh, pages of fucking notes. I well, can't be here till midnight, bro. We're not good. Well, a lot of it it you'll see when we get to the stuff that comes <laughs> after the plot. But... My notes are so sloppy because I wrote them pretty much in the dark while I was watching the movie. <laughs> uh, anyway. Let's see. Robert Duvall plays Tom Hagen. Mm -hmm. Richard Castellan Castellano. Castellano. Yeah, I was trying to get there. Plays um, Clemenza. Sterling Hayden plays Captain McCluskey. John Marley plays Jack Waltz. Richard Conti plays Barzini. Al Can you name the ladies? Because they have bigger parts than all these guys that you're skipping or that you're Literally, I pulled the cast list off of the dark web. Not fucking figures. And there's literally one. Diane Keaton should have been like fifth on that list. There's three female people in the cast. And I'm sure you could prop. They don't in even. In the nameable cast. Who besides uh, Kay and. Um, uh, Connie. Connie, thank you. The mom? Yep. Okay. They don't even list Apollonia. Oh, she only has like four minutes of screen time. Yeah, but she has one of the best lines in the whole entire movie. Monday, Monday Tuesday, Thursday, Thursday Wednesday. Thursday. <laughs> oh, I love her. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, but yeah, Talia Shire and Diane Keaton okay, to well, have been named we'll already. Over Diane Keaton plays Kay Adams. Abe Vigoda plays Tessio. Talia Shire plays Connie. Look at that. That's two. Adrian! That, that's two females out of three in a row. Uh, Gianni Russo plays Carlo. John Cazal plays Fredo. Al Martino plays Johnny Fontaine. Morgana King plays Mama Corleone. Lenny Montana plays Luca Brazzi. Um, Salvatore Corsito plays Bonacera, The Undertaker. And Richard Wright plays Neri. <sighs> now that I've done said that all and gotten it out of the way, um, I'm going to tip my hat. And Queenie, you may inform us all about the beauty that is the plot of this amazing movie all right the godfather 
what is what 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 can we say about the godfather it's about family um obviously that, that would a, literally be the best way to sum up it's the plot in one word yeah it's about familia it's a family saga it is not family friendly <laughs> but no. it is a family saga there is absolutely um, nothing family friendly about any one of these no. movies it is about the mafia the mob organized crime however you want to refer to it um we've got don corleone who is a the member or lead of one of the five families and there are all the people in charge of organized crime which up until the point that we get to where shit starts going down organized crime is basically gambling lick and liquor and hookers i mean it's it's basically liquor and gambling is what you know and they have all the politicians in their pocket all the cops whatever and they just kind of do what they want to do well yeah because that is part of the main plot line as to where right it starts to hit the fan is because it's starting to evolve from that into you've got um a couple of different yeah um heads of their families that are trying to bring drugs into the equation and yeah Vito is like oh no no we're not doing that we will not they've all kind of sort of learned to play nice as tom says at some point he's like you know it's almost 1946 nobody wants bloodshed anymore like we we're not out fighting in the streets like jesse james and his hooligans like we want we Ooh. all want our share of the cash cow but we don't want to die. <laughs> i'm sorry i just find that i i find that funny because of shortly thereafter everything that evolves throughout the rest of the right. movie but I mean, well, um, I mean, even and I at have, one point, you've got Sonny literally in the streets fighting his brother-in-law. Yeah, and then you got Sonny reason, fucking but, Bonnie and Clyde style, like shit. Yeah. Um. So the main, I think there's lots of different plot points, but I think the main takeaway is that you have Vito, who is the Don. He's the head of the Corleone family. He's got all this stuff going on. He's got Sonny, who's the oldest son. And then in comes Michael, who is the middle child, who has been off to war. He's come in. He's made it very clear to his, you know, white, non-Italian girlfriend. Um, what? Michael's the youngest. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Michael is the youngest. My bad. Sorry. Fredo's, Fredo's I, the middle child. and Fredo's the middle child. That's right. I'm sorry. I forgot. Tom is the adopted. The adopted. We don't, know, child. we don't know what age he is, but he's... <laughs> You I would don't understand. He, He's not your father. Fuck you, Sonny. Anyway. I would assume Tom is probably between Fredo and, and Michael. Sonny. Oh, you think? He, well, he, he, he I mean, he said, he said Sonny found him. So he's got to be younger than Sonny. Yeah. But older than Michael. So yeah, somewhere in there. He's um, between Sonny and Michael. Yeah anyway i know he's older than he's got to be older than michael because he's already gone to law school graduated he's obviously an incredibly talented attorney because you don't just get to become consigliere of a fam of a you know 
crime family like that and not have but i think they took him in as a child right they did but he still went off yeah, to college okay. and got his law degree and became concierge and so all that so so we have michael who is clearly not wanting shit to do with anything that's going down with the family and he's even telling his girlfriend like this is my family it's not me you know the part at the beginning at connie's wedding when he's telling the story about luca brazzi and he and you know he basically said my father luca brazzi held his gut a gun to his head and my father said you're either going to see your signature or your brains on that paper mm-hmm. and it just breaks my heart the way he's like he's telling her he's very even killed but he's like that's a true story well, like there's just- there's just it's so laced with disgust like not enough to be uh um what's the word i'm looking for well, no, uh, well, I was just going to say insulting, but well, yeah, because he tells the story about how Vito got Johnny Fontaine out of his mm-hmm. entertainment contract. And which was that story, which is the Luca Brazzi holding a gun to the band leader's head and assuring him that if you don't sign the contract, your brains are going to be all over the damn paper. So you have a choice, your signature, your brains, either way, one of them is going to be, a, and you see the look just come over Kay's face. Like, mm-hmm. and yeah. Michael just nonchalantly sitting at the table, eating his lasagna. Yep. Like, and he's like, that's a true story. <laughs> that's a true story. That's my family though. That's not me. Right. Obviously by that statement alone, Michael, really doesn't want anything to do right with what his family is into and to the extent they bring up multiple times throughout the movie too michael's a war hero coming home from war right so and as things go on they try to protect him like you know mm-hmm. even sunny who's so hot-headed wanting to do shit when tom will be like okay i don't think we should get michael too involved in this he's like yeah you're right um but unfortunately Vito is approached by another head of a family who wants to get into narcotics and needs Vito's help to get politicians and cops and whatever in their pocket and they want Vito to join in and and judges yeah and Vito very respectfully says I'm not going to judge how you make your money I don't want to be a part of narcotics and I don't think that we're going to be able to keep the cops and the judges and the politicians in our pocket if we're dealing drugs so he says respectfully I have to say no um, Tom and Sonny want him to say yes, but you know, unfortunately, soonly, soonly, trademarks Um, I I believe it was Salazzo is the is the boss that comes to yeah Rio and proposes the deal, and they were talking about in the first year veto seeing like a three or a four million dollar return on his investment Mm -hmm. and i mean obviously this is what 1946 so you know three or four million dollars obviously you can literally sit there and look at tom and sunny and cha-ching cha-ching but Vito has the foresight to understand that, and we get to this later in the movie, and I, I have some stuff I want to say about this, but when they're talking about, well, obviously we don't want drugs in the hands of our kids and our schools, and and to quote the movie, 
we're going to keep it with the colored people. They're savages anyway, blah, blah, blah. I am not condoning saying that. That's a quote from the movie. No. no and no, so no. that's literally what they're trying to do. And that's a whole conversation about how black people have been held down in this country, even after they've been given certain rights, but we'll get yeah. there. But so they think these pompous whatever people think that they can control how these drugs are distributed oh we'll just give it to poor people we'll just give it to black people we'll just give it to hispanics but it won't get into schools and in the hands of our kids Vito knows that's not how it's going to work and he doesn't Vito want in part of it 46 knew what you and i were going to live through and see during the 80s with right you right. know no just because you think it's gonna be you know it's not this thing you circulate the lower class and all of that oh no right you had people literally snorting cocaine on wall street right 80s and, 80s was the decade of decadence and the, but this was the time when you know cocaine and heroin and stuff was making its way in used yeah. for medicinal purposes and then obviously these people start realizing, hey, we can, you know, we can make money off this. And so yeah. Vito, in my opinion, very politely, very chivalrously, gentlemanly says, no, thank you. But they aren't having it. So I really don't they gun him down. Vito ever really gets to a complete rude level of disrespect in this movie not a rude level but he's he says some things that are very thinly veiled as gigantic threats which is what i love about him he's able to say you know well no you uh, and i had talked about this too that you have no offense to fredo and tom but and I hope this really doesn't spoil it for anybody who's listening to this and not hasn't seen the movie yet, but you have We're spoiling it anyway. <laughs> true. But you have the eldest son being Sonny. You have the youngest son being Michael. You have Sonny is the insane hothead. Mm-hmm. You have Michael that is very cold, calculated. I don't think he starts off that way. I think he's tame. I think he's detached. I, yeah. He becomes cold, calculated, Whoa. whatever. But I think he's just yeah. detached because he doesn't want any part of what's happening in his own life. So he has to separate himself from it. Respectfully, but he has to we'll, separate we'll himself. Label this as, okay, Sonny at the end of his part of the movie is very unhinged and hot-headed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michael, in his part by the by the end of his part in the movie is cold calculated yeah blah 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 blah. and in the middle of all of that you have Vito, who honestly is probably the perfect mix of the two Mm -hmm. i think and you don't necessarily see the psychotic hothead as much in part one and i think you get it a little bit more in part two well yeah Vito, as he's coming up what what you see in part two he has he has to be that guy he has to do what he has to do but once he gets to his stature of where he is 
he knows he can make a very thinly veiled threat very politely and somebody's gonna go oh fuck i better do what this guy says well and you know you know michael gets to be that point by yeah the end of part one and obviously for three and a half hours in part two as well right so but we'll get to that three and a half hours on another night yeah but, so anyway i'll let you get back to but so anyway um they decide to try to have Vito killed and fucking fredo useless as fuck like i feel kind of bad for him but his dad's getting shot in the street and he fumbles his gun and drops it and whatever and then he just kind of stands there looking at his bleeding dad and then all of a sudden he's like papa it's like dude what are you doing um and it's interesting when the the guy salazo you know they grab tom and they're like Vito's getting sloppy 10 years ago would I have been able to get to him and it's sad because you can see it on Tom's face he's like yeah no that wouldn't have happened but um no but 10 years ago would Fredo have been the one driving him around and well that's the point is that they got sloppy they thought oh, yeah. oh I'm safe Fredo can go with him Fredo can't take nobody nowhere <laughs> well um freaking Fredo has basically two main parts in both the first two movies and look at what happens both times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Fredo is the drunken, sloppy, naive, Man just whore. little brother who, even though he's not the little brother, you know, he's Michael's way more mature than Fredo will ever be. So Michael comes home, and of course, he's the, they even refer to him, he's a civilian. Um, uh-huh. You know, they're not going to mess with him. So Michael gets involved. Um, he goes to see his father in the hospital and realizes nobody's there to guard him. And this is where this pivotal moment where he realizes, okay, I have to do something. And, you know, he, this part just breaks, it breaks me. He's like, I've got you, dad. I'm here for you. I've got this. I'll take care of it. And Vito opens his eyes and looks at him and you just see this single tear go down his cheek because you know that Vito doesn't want this. He's happy to see Michael and happy for him to be there, but he doesn't want Michael to be a part of this life. Just as much as Michael doesn't want it, Vito doesn't want it either. Well, no, and now because- Michael's just pledged his life to crime. Well, yeah, because this is the moment where literally that door protecting mm-hmm. straight Michael and crime boss or yeah. Oh, fuck it. Crime boss, Michael. Yeah. Civilian. Michael is slowly starting to we- swing open. Yeah. And, and he Michael just walks right is, through it. <laughs> you know, at this point he's, he's got one foot across the threshold mm-hmm. and we're, at this point very close to it not being one foot anymore yeah it's going to be a whole freaking but it's really subtle but when you have that moment and he's like i'm here for you pop i've got you i'll take care of it mm-hmm. it's very subtle but then at the next part it's like okay they're all just deciding trying what to try to decide what to do because they know that the chief of police is in on this and whatever and and michael is just so calm and collected I'll go in and shoot both of them. Like, 
I'll kill them. And it, you know, James Con and Tom, Tom and Sonny, they're both like laughing. He's like, "What are you gonna do, uh, Mister? I shoot a gun from a mile away. You're gonna go in there and shoot them and get get blood and guts all over your Ivy League suit." Yeah. No. Exactly. And like they think he's ridiculous, and he's a hundred percent serious. Well, yeah. That's to me. That's the beauty of that scene is the fact that that could have been done in so many different ways by Pacino Mm -hmm. and the fact that he literally came in. Well, he didn't just walk in and sit down and say, I'm going to do it. Yeah. He'd been sitting there. They'd been discussing everything that happened and blah, 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 blah. He'd been taking a little bit of teasing from his brother and all of that. And finally, he's just a hundred percent even killed. He, well, and he's even he's the one that brought up the idea of killing Salazzo and yeah the police chief because they're all like no nobody 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 ever has ever thought about going after a police chief the amount of yeah everybody will turn on you yeah the amount of heat you're going to get for this every the rest of the five families will turn against the family Mm -hmm. you'll lose everything and michael's sitting back literally calmly and you've got that classic michael stance where he's sitting back in the chair one leg crossed over the other you see that a million times in all over on the one elbow with yep the hand we're we're not talking about sorry he he makes the we're not talking about some scumbag piece of shit you know, we're talking about a cop, a dirty cop. A dirty into, cop, yeah. He's into drugs and this, that, and the other thing. And he's like, newspapers are going to love this story. If we can do this and give them that story, that's something they'd be interested in, right? And yeah, all of a sudden, he, you, you see the light go off behind Tom's yeah. eyes. It's like... Fuck. And Michael's flipped the switch and he's not going back. No, yeah. It, at this point, as soon as Michael throws that idea out, innocent detached michael is see you bye but also but you see later in the movie that michael michael still and this is what breaks my heart michael still truly believes and even into the second movie in five years we're going to be legitimate in seven years we're going to be legitimate in 10 years we're going to be legitimate like he really truly believes he can take this family out of a life of crime and make them Mm -hmm. legit and at some point, sadly, he has to accept that, no, I can't. This is my lot in life. But he really does believe it. Even when, you know, later down, he marries Kay. He's like, in five years, the Corleone family is going to be legitimate. He believes that. Well, no, That's that what's was, so heartbreaking. That was the whole, I think, premise behind his actions at the end of the movie was severing all ties mm-hmm. to what the Corleone family had been up to that point right he was up and moving the family from new york to vegas yeah and they were getting into gambling which in vegas is legal but still i don't know how you think you can be legit in vegas in that kind of but whatever he for whatever reason michael believed it and so i always feel so sad for this is why i love his character so much and i've talked about this is that he's not a bad person 
he really thinks he can do the right thing, but yet he does all these horrible things, but still in his heart, he thinks maybe he can do the right thing. Yeah. But also he's cutthroat when it comes to his family. I mean, Oh yeah, no, you know, spoiler alert part two. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're his blood or not, if you cross the family. Yeah. Well, and even in this one, you know, when we get to it, spoiler alert, Carlo, like, you know, technically Carlo is family. He's married to Connie. Well, right. So he's like, what do you think I'm going to do? Make my sister a widow? I'm I'm godfather to your son. Like you believe him. And then, and even Carlo believes him. And then it's like, psych. (laughs) It's like Tuesday when we were watching the movie, well, I was watching the movie, doing my notes, and then you followed right behind and watched. Yeah, we were discussing that scene at the end. How literally, okay. Long story short, to preface it, Carlo is in on Sunny not making it to the end of the movie. <laughs> so fast forward to my point now. Literally, Michael is head of the family, and he sits down with Carlo, and in a very quiet whispery voice has a conversation with him where he's like okay this is what i know yeah you have to answer for santino (laughs) you you will answer my questions you will answer for santino and he carlo starts freaking he's like what do you think i'm gonna make my godson yeah what do you think i'm gonna make my sister a widow yeah and he's so just calm and smooth and like and you believe gets, him and then he gets <laughs> the information he needs out of carlo and he's like okay here's the punishment for what you've done yeah you're out of the family business and he literally perfectly leads him right down the freaking road he's like okay you're going there's to a plane vegas. ticket yeah you're going to <laughs> vegas here's a plane ticket i will call connie and let her know what's going on yeah get your shit and go get in the freaking car and go and then dead he doesn't even make it out of the driveway so we jumped ahead so michael ends up in this secret meeting killing uh salazzo and the police chief and then he has to go to italy to hide out for like a year and and marry apollonia he falls in love and marries his child bride who in real life, that girl couldn't have been more than 18 or 19. In 1946 Italy life, that girl was probably 15. But probably, regardless, yeah. their their love was kind of pure. And I really liked the scene where after they're married and they, you know, go to bed together. You don't see very much of it. But I liked that they portray, like, he's very contained with his desire. And she's very, like, mm-hmm. you can tell that she's apprehensive. But then they just kind of, oh, God, their love is so pure. Okay, sorry. Um, and then, uh, spoiler alert, somebody finds out that Michael's there. His One of his confidants betrays him, and Apollonia is murdered. So um, right around the same time, right before that, Sonny is murdered. Um, Michael finds out about it. And then basically, Vito calls a meeting with the heads of all the five families and says, look, this stops now no more bloodshed no more vengeance we're all gonna be on the same page yada 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 
And this is the part where when I was talking about him and his thinly veiled threats, like, yeah, you know, I, I, he's so just cool. I forego all vengeance for my son, Sonny, but I'm selfish about it. I need to bring Michael home and I need to bring him home safely. And should he get shot by a police officer or hang himself in his jail cell or get struck by lightning, if some accident should befall him, I'm going to hold the people in this room responsible. (laughs) Yeah, well, realistically in their line of work, other than that, you're all good. Something had happened to Michael other than like a heart attack or whatever. More than likely, it was probably caused by somebody in, you know, the five families. That room. Yeah. And even after all that, he gets in the car with Tom and you realize this shit isn't happening the way you think it's going to happen. So Michael comes home. Vito makes him head of the family with Vito as his consigliere. And Tom gets demoted, but for reasons that they don't want him to be involved. Um, There's a couple of guys. Basically, Sonny, when Sonny is the running the family when Vito is recovering from the gunshots. Yeah. Um, basically in an assholeish way looks at Tom and it's about the same time he makes the comment about you don't know he's not your dad. But he yeah, also makes the comment brutal. if I had a wartime concierge, this shit never would have happened. Yeah. It, you know, he's basically yeah. telling Tom, you know, you're weak. In that aspect. Yeah. And then, and you at know, the same I time mean, when Michael takes over and Michael demotes Tom, the same comment comes out of Michael. He's you're like, not a wartime concierge. With everything that's going on, yeah. I need a wartime concierge to handle the stuff that needs to be handled. You're not that guy, Tom. It's nothing yeah. against you. I love you. You're still my brother, but. And it's amazing when we get to that first scene of Michael being back and they're all in that room where he tells Tom this and then it's Clemenza and what's his name that are wanting to get out of the family. And they're like, hey, we want to go off on our own. We want to do this thing. And this switch that has just immediately flipped in Michael is amazing where he's just like, you know, Vito's like, okay, uh, Michael's the head of the family give their questions to him and he's just like no this is what's going to happen this is what's going to happen you're going to do this you're going to do this and they try to go back to Vito, and he's like no talk to michael and michael's like look this is what we're like his demeanor has completely switched over to dawn mode and i fucking love it even though i feel bad michael for him. at this point in the movie is definitely michael from the beginning of the movie is dead yeah dead. yeah innocent michael michael that doesn't want part of the family business is gone and Don Michael has emerged still with the hopes of making the family legitimate, hence the move to Nevada and whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he's filled the role exactly as his father did. And that's what's amazing because in that scene, you know, when Vito's talking to Tom, it's not, I don't think you're a bad consigliere. I, I think that Sonny was a bad Don. May he rest in peace. Yeah. And he's right. Sonny and, and it bothers me that well, not bothers me it 
interests me that Vito ever thought Sonny could do it in the first place because he's too fucking hot-headed. He flies off the handle at a moment's notice and it's like, you can't do that. That's how you get murdered. Well, I think the way, and I'm not 100% sure on this, but the way I always understood it was... Afraid it was too dumb and Michael didn't want it. (laughs) Well, yeah, but the line of secession in a mob family is a lot like right. the British monarchy. Whether yeah, that's you know, true. Prince William is a rightful. Well, they skipped king. the right fuck over Fredo with no second thoughts. <laughs> well, okay, let's be honest. Everybody in that freaking family knew there's yeah. no shot in the hell that Fredo could do what needed to be done. Yeah. But so yeah, that would be the hitch in my thought process. But yeah, at the same time, it's like mm, I think Sonny was naturally first in line because he's the oldest. Right. And I think they were trying to groom him even through the prequel era i mean pre connie's wedding story yeah through to ultimately Vito getting shot and sonny taking over and i think at that point people were definitely starting to get on board with the idea that sonny's not going to be able to do this sonny's always thinking with his dick like, whether it comes to the ladies or to vengeance or to whatever, his dick is his leading source of energy. Well, and we'll get to that when we get to memorable quotes from the movie as well. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so Michael's taking over. Vito is his concierge. And, yeah. yeah. So Vito passes on. Uh, Michael's taking over and at the same time is organizing a hit on all the fucking people that wronged them at the same time that he is becoming godfather to his nephew so that whole sequence is gorgeous which they duplicate in the second movie with different circumstances but it's a back and forth sequence between them and the church the baby's getting baptized Michael do you denounce Satan yes I denounce him pew 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 (laughs) Like, so you see love, all these people I love getting how murdered. you just threw in the pew 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 <laughs> that but, was for you guys and gene even pew, though gene probably won't listen to the episode but um we can cross fingers and hope that she will yes so that pew pew once pew. all that is and this is the most again so now we're back to the you know carlo thing okay yeah. he's just stood as godfather to carlo and connie's son and now he's going to have carlo killed and so I honestly God believe, unless I'm wrong, I believe him sitting down with Carlo is the same day. It's the same day as yeah. the baptism. It's the same day. So, and so you know, literally, course, I mean, obviously, there's no like with Mr. Miyagi and Sato in Karate Kid Two. There's no three days to mourn. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope. I yeah. gave my soul to God, but guess what? I'm sending your soul to Satan, motherfucker. Well, Michael's cleaning house. I mean, yeah. he's he's cleaning yeah. house. He's putting his affairs in order. He's doing what he's got to do for his family that he is now totally in charge okay. of. Well, 
we didn't really get into it a whole lot, but you also have to remember too with Carlo. Carlo has twice caught been caught by the Corleones abusing Connie. Mm-hmm. He is part of the well and the main other crime against Carlo is the fact that he is working with Tatalia and Salazzo and all those guys against well he was working with Barzini and Barzini as well yeah so and Michael's like Barzini's dead you see Carlo's face he's like oh god because that was the point where Carlo knew he's like oh fuck Barzini's dead I literally have no protection if Michael wants to, he literally could off me right now in this very moment, and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. But I'm not going to make my sister a widow. <laughs> Except I am. <laughs> Hold on just a second. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he makes his sister a widow. <laughs> well, technically, he's not the one that was sitting in the back seat that throws the that's true. That's true. around Carlo's neck. So technically, yeah. Michael did not kill Carlo. That was Clemenza, right? Is that who's in the backseat? I think so. I can't remember. So, anyway, but um, we get caught on the other side of the coin. Michael did order, the he hit. ordered the hit. I mean, come on. So, so we know. get Connie coming in, you know, Michael, you pissed. Connie is off her fucking hinges, which, okay, you know, but- I. Connie, for as much as I hate Carlo, when he's like little guinea brat, like little, like she is a fucking brat. But also, he beat the shit out of her, so he deserved what he got. Um, and at this at this point in the movie, you also have to remember too that I would imagine Connie's probably suffering tremendously from battered, oh, yeah. wife, battered wife syndrome and postpartum depression. That baby's brand fucking new. Yeah. So and her we, husband's dead. So you well, know. yeah, her husband just died, and and her father just died. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So she's got, and she's spoiled brat. That but, long either. Yeah. So she comes in yelling and screaming at Michael. You had my husband killed. Blah blah blah. And I love, I do love this moment where he's sitting in Vito's chair, which is now his chair, and the guys are trying to hold her back, and he just kind of waves them off and she comes hauling at him with her little ineffectual fists and he tries to hug her and she like leans into it for a second and starts screaming again and it's just like i love that he tries to comfort her even though he knows what he did Uh um and so they get her out of there and Kay is just like you know is it true and he's like don't ask me blah 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 uh and this part he's like i love the part because it's like don't ask me about my business he's like is it true don't ask and me about my business. The one he's literally he's building up to this big moment. Yeah. And he's like, Don't ask me about my business. She asks again, Don't ask me about my business. And he's a little bit more assertive yeah. the second time. And then she asks again and she's like, Don't freaking he's ask like, me about enough. My he just yells enough and bangs the desk. And that's the first and then time all of a sudden, out of nowhere. He's just like, Yeah, okay, one time. That's the first time you see him lose his shit. Like, that is the only time in this entire movie that you see him 
lose control and it's only for a second and then he comes back down and that happens in the second movie a couple of times too you get like a a half a second of him losing his shit and then he's like oh nope but but the sad part is he's like okay this one time you can ask me and she asks him and what and and how does he react without even freaking missing a beat he lies no of course not i did not have carlo killed yeah and she accepts that answer yeah freaking k you freaking and then she walks out of the room to go get i believe it was wine for both of them yeah you have and and you get the the ending scene of them don corleone kissing his hand and then they shut the door in her face oh god it's fucking brilliant so brilliant okay sorry oh, that yeah. ending scene is it, it's, it's not a huge cliffhanger but at the same time it's a cliffhanger enough that it leaves right. you wanting to see more and but it also could have gone on and you would have just been like okay we know how this is gonna go yeah like you want more but you don't it's not necessary, which is what no, I loved about that it. Easily could have been the end of the story. Because and you would just assume it's gonna go on the same way the last three hours of this movie went on, you yeah. know. But so, thankfully we get more. Two years later we got part two. Yeah. So do you know what my number one main question is about we interrupt this episode of an evening at the movies because at this point, KCB and Queenie would like to allow all the listeners to sit back and process all of that wealth of information that you just got in that last hour and let it all sink in, take a break, go to the bathroom, get some more stale popcorn, get some more watered down soda and come back here immediately after our this brief intermission and we will return you to the second part of the godfather on an evening at the movies